Sitting at your desk is ruining your back. Your screen is destroying your eyes. The air conditioning you breathe in is slowly poisoning you. Everything at your job that's killing you. Tonight at 11. Just kidding. But this is Game Plan. Hi, I'm Francesca Levy. And I'm Rebecca Greenfield. And today we are talking about how bad for you it is to have a job, basically. Okay, I went a little over the top with that introduction, but for years now, it feels like we've been reading things that tell us all of the ways that work is unhealthy for us. Yeah, there are literally news articles that say your office is killing you. Right. So should we count the ways? Yes. Let's start with sitting. Sitting is the ultimate coke. Sitting is the new smoking, I've heard. Oh my goodness. It's so bad for you. Basically, every minute you sit, you're a year closer to death. So we obviously should get up right now. Yeah, I think we need to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard that sitting's really bad for you because being sedentary is bad for you and it's bad for your posture. Yeah, I think it causes spinal issues and it is like causes irreparable harm to your health. And I, I can't even sitting is just universally agreed to be like the worst thing you could possibly do. So not only is sitting bad for you, but then staring at a screen all day is bad for you. Mm-hmm. And I have personal experience with this because my eye doctor told me that I am not blinking enough. Because of a screen. Because of a screen. That's so sad. It's so sad. And the solution is not for me to blink more because... Oh, really? I mean, it is, but I can't just like blink more because it's like hundreds of times, you know? You could get a, You could put a reminder on your phone <laughs> every couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> That wouldn't be disruptive to my work day at all. Hey, you got to blink. No, I'm just on this insane eye drop regimen. Wow. So your screen is so dangerous for you that you actually need to be medicated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's office air quality. Okay. How is the air killing us? There was actually some research that found that office air quality is hurting productivity, which I think is something that is another thing about these problems. It's not just that they're killing us. They're also making us horrible at our jobs. Right. There's the health issue, which companies want to solve because if their employees are getting sick, they're calling in sick and they're not doing as much work. And then there's the ways that you're positioned at your desk that are making you less productive, which is also costing companies money. Right. So companies have incentives to make all this better and they invest a lot of money and time into different ways to do this. Right. There's all of this research and money that has gone into hacking the office for fitness. Um, Some things I've heard about are making a stairwell really beautiful and appealing so that people will just want to take the stairs instead of of using an elevator. So here's a more... uh, behavioral economics-y version of that, but at um, Gensler, the design office design firm, they have a brand new office in Midtown Manhattan, and so they have all the latest and greatest in office hacks, and they put different types of coffee on each floor so that if you work on the third floor and you want a cappuccino, you might have to go down to the second floor. So not only are you walking more, but you also might run into somebody that you wouldn't necessarily see and think of the next great idea. It solves a multitude of problems. Do you think there are people there that have just changed their coffee preference based on what floor they sit on? I mean, I would do that, but I'm I'm lazy. (laughs) I I, I care enough about the coffee I drink that I might actually travel a couple of floors for the right kind. Yeah. 
Um, they've also at Gensler some, done something that we have here, which is no garbage cans at individual desks. You have to walk to a garbage, which not only makes you walk more, but also makes the office smell less bad. I mean, I, I've been experiencing the lack of a garbage can at my desk, and I can say it's certainly inconvenient. Yeah. Can I can I confess something though? There's a garbage can across the aisle for me, the nearest garbage can, and I can roll to it in my rolling chair. <laughs> if people, I'm winning. People they can't want. hack my fitness. Uh, so on the whole, right. office smelling bad thing. There's also at Gensler, the office. I swear to you, smells so clean because the air is perfumed. No. Well, one, the garbage can thing. And then two, they put something in their ventilation system to purify it. And I swear it smells different. It it really did smell good. I believe you. I'm fantasizing about being there and I don't even know what it would smell like. But we're not talking about the ultimate hack that I feel like is the most widespread and accepted, which is the standing desk. Mm -hmm. We've heard so much about standing desks, I think, in the last five years from evangelists who swear it makes them more productive and also you can burn calories while doing it. Right. If sitting's bad for you, then standing must be good for you. Unless it isn't. You can't have a craze without a backlash. Yeah, there was a study of studies basically compiling all of the research that's been done on standing desks that shows the results are really inconclusive. Like there isn't actually much science-based evidence that standing up is better for you than sitting and you're burning a negligible amount of calories and that if you stand for for prolonged periods that can actually be bad for you you can get enlarged veins don't want that should we just give up and sit down i mean at this point i'm ready to just curl up and go to sleep i mean if sitting is bad for you but standing also isn't proven to necessarily be better for you like how do we save our own lives Thank goodness we have a guest here today to help us sort it all out. Dr. Mark Benden is director of the Ergonomic Center at Texas A&M University, where he has done all kinds of research on how to make your workplace healthier, including sedentary behavior intervention and lots of studies about how standing desks work. Mark, great to have you. Oh, thank you for being here. It's great. Let's start by talking about um, what do you, what would you say most people do wrong when it comes to sitting at their desk and working sure, or being I, at their desk? I think that's a great question. We, we, we hate to kind of point the finger at people and say wrong, but unfortunately the research is showing that our biggest challenge in the office today is a lack of movement. So uh, not being physically active during the course of the day, it's just, it's just really easy to get into some of the, the great uh, ergonomic chairs that we have. To, you know, they're very comfortable. They're very contoured. They fit our bodies well. So it's easy to kind of sit in those and, and not move except for you know, lunch and bio breaks. And that's just too long for us to be still. So uh, what our research focuses on is trying to find creative ways to help people to get up and get moving and kind of get that whole body uh, activity throughout the day in the office that we've, we've lost over the last 20 years. So it sounds like moving is the answer. Does that mean that standing all day also isn't the answer? Absolutely. Yeah, we really try to, I mean, I, I even try to avoid the word, you know, sitting as much as I try to avoid the word standing, um, because that's really not what we're after. We're after the movement. So um, 
active sitting or active standing, I think that's that's okay. There's moving around by walking, right? Just am, simple ambulation. Um, we encourage anything that has to do with changing position, changing posture, moving. Um, people ask me often, you know, hey, so just tell me what's my best position to be in. And I always tell them, look, the, the best position you can be in is the next one. And, you know, it just it just shows that it's really not about a position or a posture. It's more about changing positions, changing postures. So even ones that are a little odd and we wouldn't necessarily encourage, like, for instance, sitting on one of your feet, um, if you do that for a short period of time, it's really not a big deal. We just wouldn't want you to do that for hours. And the same thing with sitting still or standing still. We wouldn't want you to do those for hours on end because there are other negative health effects that can come from those. Can you tell me before we get into how to best move around most in the workplace, what are some of the benefits of moving around? Sure. Biggest thing we see is that uh, when you engage the large skeletal muscles that hold us upright, that that allow us to move and ambulate, um, those large trunk muscles will basically provide a way for the body to filter out uh, toxins and replenish nutrients and take away lactic acid. Um, We also see a really strong uh, body and brain connection. So what that means is that, you know, there's a a certain cognitive level that we're all capable of, of performing at. And to be at our best, to be at our most alert, our most uh, reactive, our most attentive, um, we need to have a little bit of, of body movement. We need to engage our body. And so when we're lethargic and sedentary and we sit still for long periods of time, uh, the blood pools, our glucose cycles dip, we, we really do start to kind of get into a, a stupor. And uh, when that happens, unfortunately, we're not at our, at our peak. We're not, we're not at our top performance. And so being able to um, get up and move around just encourages that better blood flow to the brain and to the rest of the body, all of our organs. Um, we're able to have better respirations. And again, our, our reaction time, our, our thinking, we, we do think better uh, on our feet than on our seat. And so getting us up and getting us moving is, is just critical. It seems like a lot of people have taken that advice, the advice not to sit to mean stand, you know, yeah. the standing desks yeah. have really taken off. Do you, mm-hmm. do you feel like we've gone overboard with the standing so. desk? I, I, well, I, okay, let me clarify that. I think that's the wrong message because I worry about people who might take it to the extreme and stand still flat-footed for eight hours. Uh, so, yes, to part of your question. Um, the other piece of that, though, is, so here's the reality. Um, we're not at any danger. <laughs> And here's why I know that, because we are currently evaluating thousands of workers who have electric sit-stand desks, and they are not overusing those desks. Okay. In fact, we find, unfortunately, that a lot of the workers are hardly using the standing feature at all. So I understand and, of course, agree with the concern uh, that we would have people suddenly standing for eight hours. The reality is they're not doing that. I think, again, the mix is the big thing, so the transitions, changing movement. Um, If I sit, you know, for 30 minutes and then I stand for 15 minutes and then I sit for 30 minutes and I stand for 15 minutes, um, you know, that's a reasonable mix during the day. If I sit for 45 minutes and stand for 15 minutes, that's a reasonable mix during the day. But, again, I, I wouldn't want to stand for two hours at a time without changing posture or sit for two hours at a time without getting up and moving around. So the, the, the variety is what we're after. And uh, we think we've got some new ways to help people, to prompt them, to remind them, to encourage them um, to get up and move around. And so some of the real recent research, the ones that are still ongoing right now, 
we're doing that through behavioral prompts with the computer. Can you tell us a little more about that research? Sure. So we're working with a couple of different companies to combine monitoring of the human and monitoring of some of their biomarkers and monitoring of the electric desks. So where are they at in space? Are they in a seated position or a standing position? And then monitoring of the person's computer, mouse, and keyboard. So all of those things kind of combine together. There's individual companies working on each of those. We're, we're sort of pulling all of that data together and trying to, to look at it uh, you know, as a unit and understanding what's going on with people and how they react and respond and how they're different, for instance, in the morning when they first come in when they're fresh versus in the afternoon when they're starting to get fatigued, um, understanding what might work well for one person. Um, perhaps you like a simple computer prompt that pops up on your screen and, and then it does that occasionally throughout the day, and you can kind of control how often that happens. Someone else might like a more, uh, I'll just say, a loud, uh, imagine a drill sergeant kind of screaming at you through your screen. They might prefer that. That might be what it takes to kind of get them going instead of a, a gentle nudge like you would get from a close friend. So there's lots of different ways to encourage people. Um, another one we're working on right now is gamifying this process. So the nice thing about that is that it would allow an office complex of workers to compete against another office complex. And so on a dashboard, you would see data about your team versus the other team. And it would be things related to this whole idea of movement and activity. Uh, we could even tie in, you know, for instance, the number of steps that the team is taking throughout the day. Sometimes the, the team sport is an easier way to participate rather than trying to do this all on your own by yourself, just through, you know, your own prompting. So let me get this straight. There are sensors on people's chairs and mice and keyboards and desks to track if they're sitting and standing? Right. So all of these things, if, you, if you've if you read much recently about the Internet of Things, as we're connecting, you know, basically putting a chip in so many different pieces of hardware, uh, how do we tie those things together because what's happening right now is we're, we're suddenly getting a lot of data, right? We're getting data from all kinds of different um, sensors every second of every day. So many of them are just, you know, off the shelf, something you might think of like a Fitbit, for instance. And so, you know, what do we do with that data to really encourage uh, healthier behaviors? And, and probably most important right now is to sustain uh, those healthy behaviors. If you've ever seen the uh, gym, you know, the first week of January, and, and then unfortunately about 60 days later, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's certainly a phenomena, right, around everybody getting excited about something and wanting to make a change and, and change their behaviors, but it is hard with humans to kind of sustain that and keep that going over time. And so that really right now is one of the biggest things that we're trying to find ways to do that creatively to keep those behaviors going. Well, I just want to wrap up by asking you about what most people should do. I mean, it's it's great to have these advanced kind of desks, but it sounds like in an ideal world, we wouldn't really be at a desk at all for most of our day. But since most of us are stuck there, what's the main takeaway from your research about how, how most people can kind of adjust? Sure. I think the nice thing today is we've got options, right? So more than, more than in the past, um, when we first started developing this whole issue of technology-induced inactivity where the, the computers and mouse and keyboard kind of had us tethered and tied, we're able to get up and move around. Most of us are doing um, things on our smartphone, for instance, that, that we can take with us anywhere that we could only do at our workstations or our PCs just five or ten years ago. 
So I think the ability to work from multiple places on the go is really changing what we think of as work. The next challenge for us, once we get people to start moving more and working from different places, will be how we regulate uh, how much total work they do, because I'm concerned that that uh, may become troublesome for folks. Well, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. You bet. It was my pleasure. So Dr. Benden calmed me down a little bit. I'm a little less concerned that we're all guaranteed to die no matter what we do. It seems like the main takeaway is sitting isn't great for you all the time. Sanding isn't great for you all the time. But really, the most important thing is that you move around a lot. Yeah, my dream for this is to be able to just take a break in the middle of the day to work out. That would be so nice. Some people do it, but it's it's hard to make the time. It's a luxury. And there are co-working spaces that I've been to that have yoga built in, and it's part of the culture, so people do it. And there are offices that have yoga and boot camp in the middle of the day. Um, but to me, it's a little weird to work out with your coworkers, Right. And also, I guess there's and you that... you come back all sweaty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can go somewhere with a gym. I mean, with a shower, perhaps. But then there's also that kind of icky thing where... If your office is offering you all these things, like you never leave work. Right. But I still want it. (laughs) I think it brings up an interesting point, though, that like your first thought goes to finding a way to get away from work and move around. I mean, ultimately, whatever you do to hack your space and, you know, Dr. Benin was saying we can walk around more while we work because technology enables that really like you're going to move around the most if you're not actually working. So I think that the best solution if you have the option, is to do a little less work and a little more working out. Yeah. And with that, let's do Half-Baked Takes. Half-Baked Takes. Before we get started with our Half-Baked Takes, we have exciting news. We've been asking you now for a few weeks to leave us a voicemail with your Half-Baked Take, and you did. We have a listener Half-Baked Take. Let's get started by hearing it. This is Jeremy from New York. Five-day work week? That's fine. Don't change that. Pump days are fun, I guess. Three-day weekend. Always. And then when there's a holiday, you know, four-day weekend. Uh, That's my half-day take. Thanks. So I think our listener is arguing for eight-day weeks. I'm I'm down. I mean, it, it would probably take a lot of legislation to completely reorient the like Gregorian calendar as we know it. But I mean, that's what makes it a half big take. Yeah, we, you don't have to think about the detail. <laughs> I love it. Please keep sending us your listener half big takes, and we will play them on the air as often as we can. Becca, what is this week's idea that you want on the record that you haven't thought about that much? LinkedIn is secretly the best social network. Let's hear it. Social networks give me a ton of social anxiety um, for all different reasons. Like Instagram, I get weirded out because you have to like get too many enough likes on your photos yeah. and you feel bad if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, I mean, that's what's even there to yeah. say about Facebook. Uh, Twitter, there's a lot of like professional anxiety and I always second guess the thing I post. Right. You can really go wrong on Twitter yeah. if you make a slip and right. make a bad joke. Yeah. Ugh. But... LinkedIn does not ask anything of me. LinkedIn, you know, I know exactly what to put on my profile. 
where I worked. Um, I will accept like any request from any friend because I don't put anything on it. Um, I just find it to be like the lowest cost social network for my emotions and my psyche. Do you visit LinkedIn regularly? So I use it for reporting. I do. Um, I know that's very specific to my job. I know that you can read articles on it. I don't know how really to do that, but that's a thing. It just is like the office place of social networks, right? Like it's very superficial relationships with people who I'm like tangentially connected to. Nobody's being like too real. We all like keep it a little bit at bay. Like I'm into LinkedIn. I like it. Well, full full disclosure, I used to work at LinkedIn, and I think there were product people there that would be very yeah. pleased <laughs> to hear you say that you visit LinkedIn all the time. I didn't say that. That oh. was, the th- I mean, full disclosure, this is not a commercial for LinkedIn. Well, wait, but so <laughs> if you don't visit it, do you visit it a lot, like more than every year or two or yeah, three so when you're thinking about changing jobs? But yeah, I don't use it for the things LinkedIn wants me to use it for, probably. I think they would just be happy that you're there that I'm more it. than yeah. every few years. It just has um, a utility and a purpose that the other ones don't, and also the other ones stress me out. Okay. Low stress LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> Francesca, what is your half opinion? Okay, as we as we approach springtime and we slog through this winter, I have a I have a winter related half big take, um, which is that layering is excuse my language BS. Go on. I if you I live in a cold know. climate and you are layering to try and keep yourself warm, you're doing it wrong. Get yourself a puffy coat that is so warm that you're basically wearing a blanket everywhere and you could be wearing a bikini underneath it and you'd still be warm. And those coats cost a lot of money, but I can tell you I have one and it is the best investment I've ever made. I agree with you on investing in really good warm clothing. Like I'm a huge fan of having like the warmest everything and it feels so good. But I I still like layers. For me, it's like you put a sweater on under a blazer, under a coat, and then your arms get all tight, and then you have you, there's like sweating that happens. You don't need and to wear a blazer over your sweater. Layering is a lot of trouble, if you ask me. And for me, on the coldest days of the year, my ultimate goal is to basically be a walking bed. I want to have a comforter wrapped around me, and I want to have pillows around my feet. That's why I have shearling boots, which I can wear, by the way, without socks. So I basically just carry my warm, cozy bed around with me all day, and it has changed my life. No more layering for me. All right. This has been Half-Baked Takes. Half-Baked Takes. Thanks for listening to Game Plan. I am at Francesca Today on Twitter. And you can find me at RZ Greenfield. And if you have your own Half-Baked Takes, tweet them at Game Plan. Or you can call our hotline at 212-617-0166. If you like our show, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Subscribe, rate us, leave us a review. Every time we get a new review, we email each other about it and discuss. So your review will be read and appreciated. This show is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. The head of podcasts is Alec McCabe. And we will see you next week. Bye.
That was great. You went okay. It was good. Yeah, it was we got good. talking about work. It was funny. We were good. No, I liked it. I, liked I thought it. it was cute. I liked that. Yeah, it was great. I thought that was good. That was good. I thought that was great. I thought that was good. Great. I thought that was good. Yes. Okay. Yay. I like that. I liked that. I thought it was cute. <laughs> I liked it. Great. I loved it. Thank you, Becca. You did recapture the magic. <laughs> yes. I think that's fine. fine. Yeah, I think we, we can, can probably. Yeah, I think we can do it again. Just like shorten it up a little. Was that okay? Do we need to do it again? I felt good. I felt like yeah. I got into it. Well, relaxed. <laughs> yeah. I think we may have done an okay job. Oh my god, we did it.